Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, well, let's get to the phone lines, and top of the board is Fred. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. How you doing, Bob? I'm great, sir. How about yourself? Doing great. Hey, you know, I've been listening to you for about six or eight months. I accidentally got it on the KTSA one morning and listened to you, and I've, every chance I get, I do listen to you. Well, I appreciate and, that. Uh, yeah, no, and, uh, you know, I went to your uh, your nursery here about a month ago for the first time, and First of all, I want to start it off with, you know, you've got a great staff there. I mean, every, every time I turn the corner, can I help you? What can I do? What are you looking for? And uh, I just want to put that out there. The lady in the back, you know, she greeted me first, and it's like, it was just like I belong there. So it was pretty pretty neat. I just want to put that out to you. Well, I appreciate that. And we're, we're blessed with a really good staff. And the fun thing is everybody is there because they want to be there. You wouldn't believe the cross-section of careers and things that uh people you know you got to work for at least part of your life but you might as well be having fun and i i think i can say that virtually every one of our employees is just as having fun at what they do and uh, i think it shows and we appreciate that yeah well i I was gonna say and it did show and uh, my wife and i went there first time and uh you know my guilt is that i've uh, always gone to the big box stores which (laughs) listen to you yeah there you go I expect that. I expect that laugh from you. Um, you know, I, I was talking to that lady in the back, and I said, "Yeah, I've been listening to Bob for about six or eight months now, and I wanted to meet him." She goes, "Oh, he's just in the office. Go meet him." You know, of course, my wife said, "Oh, no, leave him alone. He's probably busy." Which I left you alone. Well, um, don't ever hesitate. If I'm this week, it's been franchise tax uh, as well as monthly sales tax, and I, I do a lot of things other than just uh, you know be out helping folks. But I'm always happy to help any way I can, and. Uh, um, we just we have a lot of fun. Uh, we Lady uh, Donna, one of our managers, is teaching our seminar this morning on herbs. I'll be teaching the seminar next Saturday morning on uh, tropicals for the summer months. And I don't know. I just uh, it, it's fun to be in a business where you really have fantastic customers, fantastic staff, and you love what you're doing. So I, I feel like a very blessed person. And uh, glad you found us. Hope you just stop in. Uh, you know, nobody has to buy anything to be welcome. And we have a lot of people that say, I just come in because it makes me feel good. So hope you're one of those. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, it did. It made us feel good. Well, I got three quick things for you. You know, okay. I have a, I'm calling it a Sago Palm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably about six, eight years old right now. And it, it gave me 191 of those little seeds right. this year. And, and yeah, I did count them all. So that's why I got to that number. But I, uh, I planted 71 of them mm-hmm. from the, you know, and I talked to your people there and they kind of said how to do it. And of course I went online and, but, uh, what I, what I, you know, I understand it could take like up to three months for some of them to even start sprouting. Oh, no, it could take uh, a year for some of them to start sprouting. Uh, okay. I'll, well, I'll tell you how, yeah, the the thing, the way that we watch commercial growers do it um, is they will take a flat tray that, say, that trays maybe 15 inches by 15 inches, and they just put uh-huh. rows of seed in there, 
and um and they just they wait for them to sprout some of them will sprout the first week and like i say some of them may take a year to sprout and just as soon as they see one starting to sprout they take it out and put it in a pot and that's because they don't have room to just go ahead and plant every seed individually but yeah some of them will sprout quickly some of them will take a long long time one thing i will always remind folks of about sago seeds is that they are highly poisonous to dogs so whatever else you do keep your puppies away from them yeah i, I don't have any of them so okay. I'm, I'm good on that part all right but you know what i did is, is is i put them in individual little you know like four inch containers mm-hmm. yeah and that's fine uh, and I, and yeah but I, I like what you said about that so i'll, I'll try that maybe next time i I try this. I'm just doing it for fun. Just remember uh, that with Sagos, too, they do their growing for the year in about a three-week period. So once they have sprouted, once they've put on that first little two or three or occasionally four fronds they'll put on the first year, they're not going to do anything for another year. So don't get frustrated with them. That's just what they do. They do all their growing at once, and they sit there for a year growing roots. Then they put on another burst of foliage. But you've seen that with your bigger your bigger plants, so right. you know you know the yes, growth sir. habit yeah yeah that's that's it okay thank you for that um and, and real quick i I've, i bought a, a coral bean from you yeah and and you know i i'm making a little uh hummingbird you know butterfly garden if you will and um you know it had a big uh a group of of the beans on there mm-hmm. and then on on several of the other branches you could see the new little growth coming out well those other ones just fell off you know and i told my wife ah, maybe it's in shock or something and so them other ones came out, and I mean, it looked really nice. And all of a sudden, they just they came off, and they're just you know they're on the ground. And I went and touched one of them on the plant, and I mean, I barely touched it, and that bean just fell off. And it's you know full red, probably about I don't know a couple two three inches tall, if you will, or long. And so I didn't know if there's uh, you know if there's some shot going on, or is that the typical of that uh, of that plant? Well, now is this a seed falling off, or is this the red flower falling off? No, it's the it's the flower. Yeah, that's that's really just the way they grow. They're they're spectacular okay. when they bloom. Uh, genus on that is Erythrina. If you ever want to look it up, E R Y T H R I N A. And um, okay. but they they produce those just brilliant red flowers. And but the flowers last you know a week or ten days, and then they just fall off. And uh, if we get heavy rain and things like that sometimes it knocks them off more quickly but uh that's perfectly normal if they get pollinated they will make a bean as it were uh which is a seed which could be planted just like you did your sago seeds but but what you're seeing is just the flowers and that's uh if they're not pollinated they're going to fall off in a few days and they're they're spectacular but sadly only for a limited period of time yeah and okay well that's good and that's what's happening so my, my only other thing I got is roses. You know, that's probably my favorite flower out there. Okay. But I have killed 99% of everyone I've ever I've ever bought. You know, now, I live in Lavernia, Sandy area, mm-hmm. and at my house, uh, we're, well, we got four acres, but we only like take care of the front two and a half, and I've got a, a, over 120 trees on it. Right. So I have a lot, I have a lot of shade, but, you know, I get sporadic sun here or there i guess my question of that is do i am i 
you know, fighting and losing battle with all the shade? Or yeah, yeah, you're never going to grow roses well in the shade. If you want to grow roses okay. well, uh, two things: don't go with grafted roses. Go with what we call own root roses. Plant them in full sun, and be sure you give them adequate water. Now, probably the most popular rose out there now is this series they call Knockout. And my experience with yes. Knockouts is they take twice as much water as any other rose that I've ever grown. And uh, I I just quit growing them because I'd have to water them. I'd, I'd water my Belinda's Dream or some of my Pioneer roses. Uh, I'd water them once a month. And if I watered and wasn't watering my Knockouts twice a week, um, then they were not happy. So uh, full sun, grow, and don't buy grafted roses, buy own root roses, give them adequate moisture, and you'll start having 99% success. Okay. Well, that's it. That's, uh, well, and that's probably our, my dilemma is the, the shade. You know, yeah. well, it gets a little bit of sun, but, yeah, nothing to write home about. Well, next sure. time you happen to be uh, by Shades of Green, ask us for a free copy of our, our Gardening in the Shade brochure. We'll list about okay. probably 80 or 90 plants that will do well in the shade for you. And uh, it's just put the right plant in the right place, and you'll be successful. Have you ever been uh, to Goose Island State Park down near Rockport? Uh, you know, I have a place there in Aransas Pass, but I'm going to say I haven't been there. Well, you need to drive down there for reasons other than fishing. But if you drive out, it's where the biggest live oak in Texas is. But that uh, coral bean grows as a wild shrub down there. And if you do it in the spring, you can drive through and you'll literally see hundreds, if not thousands, of these things in bloom along the roadsides. And it's really quite pretty to see. And would you say there was that again? It's called Goose Island State Park. It's real near Rockport. Oh, Goose Island, yeah, yeah. No, I know where Goose Island's at. I guess you know I may have seen them, but just not being aware of it. If you're going through, uh, if you're going down there, and I've I've fished down there with friends before, and uh, but I just I was really amazed. First time I ever went through there at the number of the is growing natively there. Just a pretty thing. And if you find that an interesting plant, yeah. be some fun to look for. Very good. Well, thank you, Bob. And listen, good talking to you. And and you've got a good uh, a new customer now. So uh, <laughs> well, really, really appreciate what y'all did. Well, appreciate it, you, Fred. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you. Let me uh, get on to Mike here. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. Paul, I got a couple questions. One is uh, we planted some uh, Santa Rosa plums uh, about six years ago, and uh, they're down in our orchard and. Uh, I noticed the other day, finally got some fruit on one of them, but uh, the little green fruit had dropped off into the grass below. Is that is that from a watering issue, or is that the weather? Oh, it's hard to say. Uh, the number one issue I see with uh, fruit trees is being buried too deeply, and probably they came to you from the nursery buried too deeply in the pot, and that is... Uh, um, that there are a number of different things. Plums are one of the most delicious things in the world, and they're one of the biggest problematic things in the world. To be absolutely certain that root flare is exposed, um, be sure that every winter you thin that tree very heavily, I mean by up to 50% of the wood that would be producing fruit. Otherwise, it'll put on a ton of tiny little fruit, and most of it will fall off. Prunes uh, or uh, plums are probably the most heavily pruned tree that i know of and feed them regularly give them some extra iron magic sand green sand whatever um because plums uh 
plums are just wimps uh, in the in the world of the orchard. But the the number one cause that I see for dropping fruit um, is probably being buried. This trunk buried a little too deeply. The other thing that happened this year is that uh, they set the little fruits, and then we got that late cold, which was enough to uh, not just knock them off the tree instantly, but it was cold enough that it killed little developing embryo inside the plums. And they, when that happens, they get up to about marble size and then fall off. Yeah, they were about marble size. Uh, it may just be weather then. But we never have pruned them. So. Well, yeah, go through, I guess I should say thin rather than prune. You need to go through those things every January, early February. Thin them out by about 50% if you want to keep your trees vigorous and get a good plum crop. Okay, thank you for that. Um, the other thing is uh, I uh, had some pecan nuts the, uh, that had uh, the little stem growing out of them. Mm-hmm. Tree too long, I guess, and... Um, I planted about 29 of those in pots over the uh, winter. Um, about nine or ten of them have sprouted, come up, and uh, I understand that I'm going to have to graft those. <laughs> I need to get fruit off of those, plant them again, and, and get fruit off of them. At what point, uh, how big do they need to be when I graft them? Well, that's a that's a good question. You don't have to graft them, but if you graft them with mature wood, then you can get nuts very quickly. Ungrafted, those trees will produce nuts, and they may produce nuts very similar to what they originally were, but it can take up to 10 years before they mature. Um, most uh, nut trees are grafted when the little plants are about 18 inches tall, but at it's again pecans are one tree that sometimes you'll see what's called high grafted and they'll actually do the graft four feet off the ground rather than right down at ground level so how big you let them get really just depends on how you plan to graft them now our our pecan grafting is normally done march and april so uh probably by this time next year those trees can be grafted if you want to base graft them but if you want to trim them to little single trunk trees and wait and graft them uh, when they're oh about the size of your little finger when they're four feet tall um you can top work the trees if you want to do that but the majority of them are, are grafted down low and like I say, uh, probably let the trees get be 18, max maybe 24 inches tall before you graft them. Okay, so is that information, is that available like on the dirtdoctor.com? I'm sure there is a fair amount of information there, and there are lots of different ways. There's patch budding, there's tea grafting, there's cleft grafting. Um, I know that Fanix Nursery here in San Antonio frequently has a seminar on how it is done. I think you'll also find some uh, videos on YouTube that you can actually see how it's done. It's it's not difficult, but it's one of those things, literally, that a picture is worth a thousand words. It would be very hard to describe accurately exactly how to graft in words, but uh, if you watch it on a video, uh, it's it's real good. The other thing about it, and, and just something to know about graft, uh, you the wood that we graft on is called the scion, S-C-I-O-N, and we refer to it as bud wood. We collect the wood that we are going to graft early in the season and put it in the refrigerator, not the freezer. We hold it in refrigeration until such time as we
we graft it because we want our graft wood to be delayed in development. So um, uh, you don't just go cut something off one tree and graft it onto another. You'll actually collect your graft wood in January, put it in the refrigerator in a plastic bag, probably wrapped in moist paper towels, and then you'll actually do your grafting um, most likely in March. So uh, there's a lot to learn about it, but if you're interested in it, it's fun. I am. Well, thank you very much, Bob. I sure appreciate the information. Always a pleasure, Mike. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll definitely talk again. Right now, it's Good Morning, Tracy. I'm so glad I got through today. <laughs> Me too. How can I help you? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I found two huge rat snakes in my chicken coop. <laughs> okay. I'm terrified now to go feed my chickens, and I am I know it's like their territory and their food, but... Can you recommend some kind of snake repellent so I can start feeding them again? Well, anything. I know it's not their area, but. Okay. The the snake that you are looking at is uh, most likely a Lindheimer's rat snake. They are not aggressive. They are not going to come after you. I saw my first one of the year um, this uh, this past week, and they are out Me there. Too. Yeah. Uh, um, snakes do not like the smell of cedar. This is one place where a cedar mulch, or if you want to buy um, a product, the uh, little cedar chips they call cedar side granules, you can put that around and the snakes will avoid it. Now, uh, I'm sure they're after the eggs. They're not going to eat your chickens unless they're very, very young. But yeah, they're babies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, yeah. I just, I, I, the the snakes are just almost humorous. They do so many crazy things. These snakes can climb like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, um, I and, thought they climbed into it. Yeah. That's why I'm so scared. Well, they, you know, they they're thing that they mostly eat uh is birds and they can climb a tree and they sit up there i saw i had a giant one come falling out of a tree one time that had grabbed a squirrel and the squirrel was struggling so hard both of them fell out of the tree together so i don't mean to alarm you don't be afraid to go sit under your trees now but uh, the good thing about them is that they are harmless they are not aggressive if you grab one yeah it probably would bite you if you don't know what you're doing but they they are not aggressive and they are not a threat to you and um i will tell you and this may be something that you'll have to learn and practice but um if you go to a good feed store you can buy a just call a snake stick um the <laughs> the one i gave my business partner was 36 inches long because she doesn't like getting close to any snakes i use one that's 32 inches long and i use it more for you know relocating rattlesnakes and and other things which you do have a good cause to be afraid of but at some point i would invest in a good snake stick just so you can catch these guys safely the way i transport a snake is i take two ranch buckets i drop the snake down in the bottom bucket and quickly put the second bucket in on top and then they mm-hmm. can ride down the road to their new home but uh um if you're gonna have chickens you're probably gonna have a few rat snakes and you need to learn to safely catch them and relocate them <laughs> as, as hard as that is to say and 
from a heart attack. Uh, well, I used to have an aunt who always said every snake in the world is dangerous because she's liable to hurt herself trying to get away from it. And exactly. so I, un- I understand that mentality, but... Uh, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully another family member or somebody can help you with that because uh, uh, snakes are just doing the natural thing. They're they're going after what they, uh, you know, what they normally would be would be having for dinner. But uh, and they're easier to catch in your coop than it is to go climb a tree and wait for a bird to come along. But uh, um, uh, try try the cedar side granules as a repellent. That's that's the best snake repellent that I know of. Okay. Um, I have two more quick questions. Okay. What kind of uh, what kind of strawberries do you recommend? Um, for big, juicy, sweet strawberries. I love the variety called Sequoia. There's another called Tioga. Now I'll tell you, this is not the best time of year to plant strawberries. If you want really good strawberries, you plant them in October, uh, maybe even November. You can buy them this time of year. You can plant them this time of year, but your berry production is going to be very limited. Um, if you really want to plant a big berry patch, plan on doing it this fall. Okay. And then one last question. I need a, if it's even possible, but a hanging basket, part shade, deer resistant annual flowering. Uh, probably Vinca or periwinkles. Will it grow in the shade a little bit? In a little bit of shade, they will do just fine. They're not okay. deer-proof, but they are very definitely deer-resistant, and they are one of the most beautiful flowering hot-weather plants that are out there. Perfect. Okay, thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day. You too, I'm Tracy. Sure hope you don't find any more snakes today. <laughs> I won't be talking to you ever again if I do, because I won't be alive. <laughs> you will be just fine in one of these days. Um, somebody who knows snakes will introduce you to them and teach you a little bit more about them. And, uh, and, um, uh, we'll go from there. I look forward to it, Tracy. And I thank you for the call this morning. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. The bill with the 361 area code. Good morning. Bill, this bill. That's you, sir. Good morning. Hey, uh, yeah, I heard the caller earlier about the Sago seeds being poisonous. Right. Does it hurt to break those seed blooms off and discard them? Um, just discard them where, you know, where your dogs are not going to get on, get into them. It's not just the seeds that are poisonous, really all parts of a sago palm, um, are toxic, especially to dogs. The seeds just happen to be the one thing they sometimes get into. You know, when a sago reproduces many times too, it will make little different growths that come off the base of the plant. Uh, some people will separate those off. You want to be sure your dogs don't chew on those either. Now, sagos um, are separate, the male and female plants, and the male sago produces a much more upright bloom head, so to speak. They're not really flowering plants. They're um, they're cycads, and if you want to cut those off and discard, yeah, there's no problem at all with that. The female plants produce the seeds down in a cone that is kind of in the center of the plant, and it'd be virtually impossible to cut that off. Uh, but the one that makes the the more upright growth, uh, that's that's the male cone. That's the male plant, and it's not going to make any seeds, so uh, it's not really an issue there. 
Okay, so just keep the dogs away from them. Yeah, absolutely. All, all Again, dogs, it's not something they're naturally attracted to, but, you know, some breeds, like my labs, especially puppies, anything that looks like a ball, they're going to grab it and run play with it, and you yeah. just want to avoid that with Sagos. Yeah, that's what I got as a puppy, so I just keep her away from it. Yeah. Uh, you you had a caller last week uh, call in on, on crepe myrtles, and you told them 99% of them are buried too deep. Yeah. Uh, I almost turned around on my way to Dallas to come back and check mine. They were fine. Uh, oh, good. Root ball showing, uh, but they're 15 years old. They've never bloomed. They look pathetic. Are, they in, wrong? are they in full sun? Yes, full oh. sun. Increase your watering, increase your fertilizing. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> and, and, I mean, they will tolerate drought, but they won't like it, and they won't bloom well. And keep in mind, now, what you want to see at the base of a crepe myrtle is actually the broadening of the trunk and the bigger roots. So they A lot of them will have these little tiny fibrous roots up close to the surface, but you should actually see the expansion on that trunk it should be flaring out at a fairly good angle and you know you may be one of the lucky ones had a a good planter or you know you got good plants to begin with but i i commend you on that if you if you're truly are planted highly enough or uh out of the ground i didn't see the flare i just saw the little tentacles well then you probably you better better start digging until you find it's not something that that causes overnight death but it sure contributes but uh um, one of my arborist friends told me they used to, uh, before they got air spades, they actually used old hay hooks. And you sound like a guy that knows what a hay hook is, uh, sure. to get down there and pull back. And you just trim out all those little roots till you get down and see the actual flaring of the trunk itself. Okay. That's what I'll do. Because when it, when it's buried too deeply, uh, it's going to start putting roots upwards. I mean, that's where what water you're giving it, what nutrients you're giving it. Uh, it's going to start growing these little fibrous roots back up toward the surface. That's to be expected, but you need to just trim those away and get down to where you find the true flare. The, the true flare is down there. I just got to find it. Yes, sir. I got you. Third question real quick is I've got a uh, real problem getting uh, queen palms to make it through freezes uh, mm-hmm. the first year. What can I do to winterize something that tall? Move to Miami. <laughs> they you don't winterize them. You don't it's not like getting it's not like getting a tan or anything like that. That queen palm is going to be just as susceptible to a freeze when it's twenty feet tall as it is when it's two feet tall. And there's no way now being organic, spraying with liquid seaweed, things like that will give them a little bit more winter protection. But the queen palm is simply not a good candidate for our part of, of uh, South Texas because uh, uh, every few years we're going to get a freeze that kills them. And the bigger they get, the harder they are to protect. So I guess in a nutshell, my advice is grow a different palm. Yeah, well, I've got you know I've got some ten year old ones that the weather the the freeze is fine, but it's the young ones that I plant. I lose about a third of them. Well. Good luck on the big ones because it's been a while since we had a really cold winter, but you don't see very many big queen palms around, uh, and it's because every few years we get that, uh, you know, we get that, that freeze that gets them, but you will harden them off to some extent. Just start sp- midsummer or late summer, start spraying with liquid seaweed, two tablespoons per gallon, and stay organic with your fertilizers, and that's going to give you the best increase in cold hardiness you can hope for. All right. 
Well, super. Good talking to you. Likewise, Bill. Thank you so much. All right, let's get back to the phone lines. We're going to talk to Chuck and Bill and Patrick, and Chuck is up first. Good morning, Chuck. Morning. How are you doing today, sir? I'm well, sir. How about you? Doing good. I've got just some questions to ask you, if you can indulge me just for a minute. I'll do my best. uh, Hadn't grown a garden in years, decided to grow one again, went in and cultivated everything, got my tomatoes and peppers and stuff. They're doing good. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and plant a fruit tree. Okay couple of them so i went and got three the first one i got was the peach tree i wanted it went to the usual box stores like i probably should have but i did and, and it's a good healthy tree it's about what, eight feet tall. what area do you live in chuck northeast bear county okay and what Not variety of peach did you get <laughs> there's the fun part i didn't do my research until after i got the peach tree i bought an alberta peach okay everything i read says they don't do good in san antonio well they're going to grow just fine but you're never going to get any fruit on it yeah, that's what I'm planning out. So, so move move to Fredericksburg. Get rid of it. Yeah, move to Fredericksburg. <laughs> Take it with you. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get rid of it, you know, do something else. So I started doing research and said, okay, and uh, I found out I put a lemon tree in and uh, a plum tree, a Missy? Methley. Methley plum. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the lemon tree, but they both said that you're good for this area. Said okay, fine. So I and I did the you know the right hole and everything. Put in the the mulch junk and put it on level like it's supposed to, and put the you know the mulch the brush uh, what do you call it the mulch around it and everything. Just everything is supposed to be done by the instructions. And then I started reading more and said, you know, I need a pollinator, which means if you have a peach tree, according to everything. First thing I was reading says if you have a peach tree, you need another peach tree. If you have a plum, you need another plum. But well, one guy was telling me you really don't because as long as they're fruit trees, they can pollinate between each other. No, you need to stop shopping at the box stores and go to a yeah. real nursery. Go to Phoenix. Uh, real quickly, on three trees that you mentioned, choosing a peach tree, you've got to match it with the average number of chilling hours, the average number of hours below 45 degrees. In your area, right. what you need to know is you need a tree of about 650 hours. Um, is oh, okay. to to pick uh, your Ellie, uh, Alberta's probably about a thousand or eleven hundred hour peach. I don't carry that little table around, but it just simply doesn't get enough cold to bloom and produce fruit here. Your lemon tree right. is probably a Myers lemon, and yeah. Yeah. it is cold hardy down to about twenty eight, uh, maybe twenty six degrees. But when we get a colder winter than that, like we did last year, you're going to need to protect it, or it's going to freeze. Um, okay. On your plum tree. Uh, there are some varieties of plum which are self-fertile, like Santa Rosa. You can plant one tree and still get plums. Many varieties of plums, like Methley, like Bruce, like Green Gage, these are not self-fertile, and you need to have a second plum tree out there. Um, you know, it's it's kind of, mm-hmm. if you want to get down to it, uh, you know, you can't have a dog and cat get together and have babies. It's right. got to be cat, cat, dog, dog. And fruit trees are the same way. Now, in the case of citrus, an orange may very well pollinate a lemon. But in the case of a plum tree, it's not going to be pollinated by a peach or an apricot. Right. Okay. That's that's good. So a Santa Rosa is a good plum tree. And it's one that will produce with just a single tree. Self-fertilizing. Okay. Doesn't need a pollinator. Right. Uh, What about peach tree or apple tree? What's a good one for down here? Well, for here, you're going to have to have two trees. None of them are self-fertile, but you might try June Gold. Okay. You might try Methley. You might try John Fannick. 
Those right. are those are just a few of the varieties. And if you're looking for a good place to shop for them, head on over to Fanix Nursery over on Home Green I'll Drive. They've been there for okay. 80 years, and they know fruit trees. Good. I'll do that. Yeah, I, like I said, I started without doing some research, and then I started <laughs> doing research thinking – I'm still not doing too good. Well, my yeah, one of my so favorite expressions. Find out here. Yeah, one of my favorite expressions uh, is uh, from Will Rogers, and he said, "Good judgment comes mainly from experience, which comes mainly from bad judgment." So exactly. <laughs> hey, good luck with that. You call me anytime I can help before you go shopping next time. Okay. Thank you very much. Sir. Thank you, Chuck. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. All right, Bill Stern. Good morning, Bill. Hey, uh, good morning, Bob. Nice morning, sir. To talk to you. I finally figured out how to dial eight <laughs> seconds before the other calls. You're learning. Yes, sir. How can I help today? I got uh, uh, my latest always tomato bed mm-hmm. by, by five by 16 feet long. You got a good supply of tomatoes over there, or are y'all gone? We have quite a few tomatoes. Um, yeah, I, you know, we don't have forty varieties or thirty varieties like we did early. But we need that man. I only got room for about ten or twelve. Yeah, we've got we've got eight or ten varieties out there because I was taking some of them home to plant myself. Oh, okay. That, that, well, don't don't take them all. Cause no, I'm I didn't. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we've got a fairly good selection of them over oh, there, okay. and look forward and to helping I you, did. Bill. Uh, last year, I, I did do what you'd say. You put two or three of them in a whatever. In a cage? Uh, yeah. Cage, yeah. I've, I've got the four-foot-wide, two-by-four holes uh, made into cages, so yeah. they go up way up. Yeah, I put uh, two anyway. two to a cage for sure. Uh, okay. Uh, the, the other question I had was uh, about a crepe myrtle tree that I heard you talk to somebody about two or three weeks ago about being an old one. I've got one that's got, it's about 25. It reaches the top of a two-story house. Yes, sir. And it's about 25, 30 feet wide. And I dug it up from a townhouse that we lived in before. Uh-huh. And it was only a little eight-inch thing with a little flower on the top. I didn't even know what it was. I do know there was a badly planted crepe myrtle that went all the way up to the top of that place, too. Uh-huh. But anyway, it's out there, and it's got a fantastic for I, I thought I heard you mention what kind of name it is. It's got a very soft pink flower. Yeah, that's called uh, Basham, B-A-S-H-A-M, named for Bill Basham over in Houston. It's called Basham's Party Pink. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, Basham's Party Pink is a good old giant crepe myrtle. And it is giant. It's got about four, maybe five, three or four inch trunks going straight up out of the root flare. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, it's a very late bloomer. Yep. Yep. Well, enjoy it. You've done well with it if it's that big and uh, kind of like a cotton candy pink color. And, um, you know, it's... uh, if you got room for something that big, it's a real good variety. Bill, I appreciate the oh, yeah. call. We'll talk again. All right, let's finish up this hour's calls with Patrick. Good morning, Patrick. Well, I have to confess that I have become a Fanex fanatic. <laughs> uh, the, uh, 
we went over there the other day to buy some low quats because I had them. I used to live by the San Antonio River, and I used right. to eat them till I got sick when I was a kid. Right. And I walked by this uh, little gym magnolia tree, and all of a sudden I remembered, you know, again living down by the river and watching them all bloom. So I bought a ten footer, uh, and we live out here in Bolverde, and. Um, they said I could keep it in the 50-gallon pot for two more weeks, or I could wait until November and put it in the ground, and I'm wondering what I need to do to keep it alive and happy, or should I just go ahead and plant it? That's totally up to you. You've got a big tree. All magnolia trees do not really like San Antonio soil. So, um, And in Bulverde, if are you in an area with deep soil or very shallow soil? Well, the place that I'm going to plant it uh, was an excavation area where they moved uh, the caliche down when I built a concrete retaining wall. Mm -hmm. And so what I was going to do is I was going to dig a big hole and fill it with good dirt and then put it in there because uh, I know it, it likes acidic soil. But I, I just wonder how far out I need to dig. Okay, well, here's here's the problem. Let me, let me tell you a couple of things because we're a little short on time. Um, it has to have drainage, and caliche tends to basically just create a big bathtub. And you'll kill that right. tree in a hurry if you don't have good drainage. So you're going to have to either break through that caliche area. What I would think about doing is creating a raised bed, build it up, build a bad bed up with rock, with railroad ties, with, uh, you know, treks. Create a raised bed that you can bring in good soil. Um, and in fact, uh, you could even leave that tree in the box, build the bed up around the box, fill with good soil, and then let the box rot away or, you know, knock one or two of the sides off the box. But I'm, I'm sure not going to be sticking that tree down into a, an area full of caliche, um, because, and little gem is a slower growing magnolia and is probably the best magnolia for this area. But uh, it's going to need a lot of good soil. And like I say, if if you can dig an enormous hole, backfill with good soil, just before you put the soil in, um, you know, fill it with water. Be sure all that water drains out within a relatively, you know, six, eight hours, something like that. But uh, yeah. if it were mine, I would create a raised bed that I could have plenty of good soil around it. And then that little gem will probably be fine. How wide do I create the... Uh, I, go, I go for six 